0: Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC. And when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest survived a rough childhood, torn between a narcissist father and an unfeeling and emotionally neglectful mother. She learned that she was the only one she could depend on and always felt like the black sheep and had found it hard to trust anyone. In her teens, her lack of control led to anorexic and binge eating disorders. Her weight was about all she could truly take charge of and by the age of 17, she had also become a binge drinker, leading to becoming an alcoholic by the age of 21. After transferring this lack of self-relationship to relationships with others, she found herself at the end of a string of emotionally vacuous and harmful relationships, culminating in a marriage to a narcissist, whereupon her self-esteem issues came back again via her weight. She protected herself by becoming morbidly obese. That was the only way her body could physically be off limits to an abusive husband, or so she thought. After 14 years of being told she was ugly, worth nothing, a horrible mother, and much more she left. Packing the kids, dogs, and cats into a car and loading a truck and leaving town. The next four years saw a drawn out legal battle which saw her lose everything except her babies. And she had to start again, but the toll of adverse childhood experiences and adverse childhood relationship experiences and her adult relationship disasters, including the one with herself. Years of stress and physical trauma to her body culminated in multiple conditions that threatened to end her life. She threw herself into study, learning about the systems of the body and how they each work in harmony she sought help for her trauma and became truly well and truly loved welcome magic welcome to the podcast thank you so much for coming and joining us
1: here thank you so much for having me it's great to be here
0: no thank you wow what a blimmin journey you've had i mean i've survived an eating disorder as a teenager as well um Wow, and all the narcissism and all that other stuff as well. So like Crikey, it's it's a hell of a journey. Like, can you tell us? Have have I like covered everything? Can is there anything more you want to tell us about what you went through with your eating disorder?
1: Yeah, well, I guess it for me, it started very early. So, you know, it was little things like I would gain a little bit of weight as a kid and get told. Oh, you're, you're getting a bit fat, and wow. we think that means nothing to a child, but it actually means the world
0: because you store that in.
1: information away. So, you so know, how started... old were you? How old were you though? Yeah, look, it started when I was about six. So my wow. parents got divorced when I was three. I was a bit of a, a political football in the courts between them, you know, because they couldn't have a relationship. So let's just use the kids to hurt each other. And you know it was about 6 that I it was probably earlier but that's when I remember like my father saying boys only like skinny girls wow yep and then my mother saying well you're getting a little bit fat you should probably keep an eye on that and constantly like back then we weighed in stone I don't even know what that measurement oh, is don't. now but
0: yeah we do but I and like I came from the UK about 15 years ago and I've converted to kilos and now but like pound and stone was what Yeah. So my mum used to yeah. tell me
1: how many stone I weighed pretty much every week. Oh my god. You know, it didn't actually pop back into my head till we were talking just off air earlier and I went, actually, hang on, being weighed was a weekly thing. Why was that? I can't my but I can remember the moment
0: where I went, right, I'm doing something about this. Um, And that was when I was 16, I was out in a pub. I think I was 16, maybe I was 17. No, I think it was 16. Out in a pub and some guy called me fat or like made me feel ashamed of who I was, We didn't feel good enough as such. And I'd been getting on really well with this guy and, um, I wasn't like wanting a relationship or anything but he just shamed me because I was fat and I went right that's it I'm doing something about it and I, I remember that was my turning I'm sure there was a build up to it all um but wow 6 that's that's so young
1: yeah and then moving into like the start of puberty I remember clearly And, you know, to a disclaimer, if my mother's listening, yes, this happened. I know you don't remember this, but it did happen. But she, we used to go swimming like every, I think it was a Thursday night at an indoor pool with her best friend's family who had two daughters around my age as well. And like dinner after swimming lessons was always, you know, chicken chips and salad from the charcoal chicken. Because that's what it was. I mean, there wasn't a lot of takeaways back then. This is, you know. Early 80s. So, um, but I remember her making me sit back and wait to eat until everyone else had eaten. In fact, everyone else had seconds and I wasn't allowed to touch the food till they'd eaten. Now, to this day, she says she doesn't remember the whole thing and it never happened, but it clearly did happen. And so, right through my life, there were these moments where food was a punishment. Oh, my God. Or food was something that could be withheld from you if you didn't behave the way you needed to or the way people wanted you to.
0: Yeah, it's funny because, and I know my mum listens to my podcast, so I know she probably potentially blames herself and she shouldn't, Um, but she didn't want me to get fat. Her own get-ups, I think, her her own issues as such. Um, She didn't want me to be fat but she didn't tell me that but I would get like (laughs) I'm such a horrible child but I would like have cereal but if I was if I was hungry right I couldn't have anything else so I would have like one bowl of cereal or whatever and this is what I've been told because I can't really remember this and then apparently I would go next door and eat next door as well so I would have dinner I would have cereal or breakfast at my house and then I'd still be hungry Cause I'm a growing kid or whatever, right? And I'd go next door and eat cereal next door and tell them I hadn't had breakfast, right? Like, what the? But like it was I suppose it is that element of withheld withholding as such. That like, and I like so you're at such a young age, man. Cause I wondered, and like, one of the things that always goes through my mind is this just something that teenagers experiment with anyway? Like, is it that because of the bombardment of media and all of that stuff that and all the hormones that are going on in our body. And I know it affected me as a teenager, but obviously not because it affected you so much younger. But, like, it's just the sort of teenage boys and girls do is experiment with controlling the food and things like that in their lives. But I I don't think it is.
1: But Well, to some extent it is. Like it's a natural thing because as your body changes through puberty, your appetite changes and your need for nutrients changes. Mm. So as you're making hormones, you need like more vitamin C, you need more vitamin Bs, you need these kind of things. So we naturally go and seek more than we may have, you know, as a younger child. But for me, I didn't even get to experience that because it was, you know, this is what I'm holding over you. So come 15, 16, wow. I was so ashamed of who I was, so ashamed of my body. And, you know, I actually had a reasonable body. I remember, you know, at sports being early high school, looking at all the other girls going, wow, they've all got boobs and I've got nothing. You know, that, that, Freaky Friday movie where yeah, they wish boobs. themselves into something. Well, the next <laughs> I day know. I had D cups, you know. Oh so. my god! Well, and and
0: I'm curvy, right? So, but I suppose I was. I grew up in the eighties, nineties, and um Levo five hundred ones were the thing to wear, right? They're really they're straight up and down, right? They're not built for curvy women, right? So they never fitted me, and I was so jealous. And also, like, I had the Kate Mosses and the, you know, Naomi Campbells and people like that. They were like, right, skinny bean poles. I'm never going to be like that. I had boobs and a bum. And now I look at it and I go, okay, Kim Kardashian's making a fortune out of being curvy. And Madonna had bum implants. So that she could get a bum. I'm like,
1: I've been sitting on one for ages. What's going on? So- I'm very jealous because I've never had a bum. Pants always fall down on me.
0: <laughs> oh, really? No. But, like, nothing ever fits my waist. But this is the thing, right? I go, nothing ever fits my waist because it has to fit my big bum, right? But I've got a skinny waist, right? So I always have to wear belts or, you know, elastic sort of waist. Well, not elastic waist, but, you know, like so... I don't know, but okay. So, like, it I sounds like I laugh because I am sitting here thinking as I am saying it, and as and what you've just said, right? I go, well, it just sounds like none of us are bloody happy, even if you got, even if you are a billionaire or a millionaire. None of us are bloody happy.
1: That's so true because thinking? we're not taught to be happy in our bodies. Mm. We are not taught that from the media, from you know all the expectations of society. We're not taught that a big bum or big boobs are okay. And so for me, as someone that was reasonably skinny with big boobs, you know, early transition into teenhood, also very, very unhappy with myself. The only thing I could control was staying skinny. Wow. And I've got one of those weird bodies. The more I try and lose weight, the bigger my boobs get. So they were going from D to E cup at the age oh of 17. God. And I'm like, God love you. What?
0: Well, uh, well, yeah. So, okay, so what eating disorder did you suffer from? Because a lot of the time, like, well, bulimia is a little bit – so let's just take a step back even further from there. As far as I'm aware, and there could be many, there are only two main eating disorders, which is anorexia and bulimia.
1: Yes, and there's offshoots of those. Am I right? Yeah, so then you've got binge eating disorder – Um, You've got secret eating, emotional eating, but they all stem from the same chemical imbalances in the brain. So without getting too sciencey, you know, these things start with the gut. So a lot of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. And then our brain, we can have, you know, an imbalance with serotonin or dopamine or, you know, any of the neurotransmitters. And so that can be involved in our eating disorders. But we don't know that when we're going through it. So for me, what it looked like was my life was spinning out of control. So I left my hometown and I traveled to a completely different state to work. But I was working long hours and I was in hospitality. So for anyone that's ever worked in hospitality it's listening, they will know that the more you are around food, the less you want to eat because you're smelling the food and so your brain actually thinks I'm consuming food because I can smell it all the time. Wow. But you don't actually get hungry and you also don't have time to eat. So this is back, you know, early 90s and uh, I was working for a big hotel chain and I was working sometimes up to 20 hours a day around food. So my brain was like, oh, you can smell food You've been around it all day. So by the time, you know, I could clock off, all I wanted to do was sleep. I certainly wasn't hungry. And so, you know, my brain started changing the messages and I started worrying about, you know, my size. So working for a big hotel chain where most of the girls wore size eight uniforms and cocktail dresses, wow, I wish. you have to fit the uniform. The uniform doesn't fit you back then. And this is a big international brand. You know, I remember saying, can I get a size 10 skirt? And they were like, no, we've only got size eight. So all these things are happening through my life. And I'm going, this is all about my body. Okay, I will make it so. So the only thing I could control properly was my weight. And when I say how I looked, you know, I can say to the listeners now in a funny way how I looked and what I thought was the perfect body image for me but it's absolutely ridiculous because you know I wanted to be skinny with the big bust because God gave me the big bust what do I actually look like was olive oil from Popeye wow okay so like a stick with boobs
0: (laughs) it it, it, it's a bit like more you do your because I look back at past pictures um and I look back and go, what was I worried about? Like, why was I so obsessed with X, Y, and Z? Because I, I don't look too bad. I look all right. Like. Yeah, I'm totally. 50, I I'm look 51 now. now and everything's <laughs> fallen to the floor, but you know, I have a different outlook on life, but, but even, even now, right. So even now with the hormones and all of that stuff, right. You know, it's. It's still a challenge because your hormones are changing, your body's changing, and I'm getting old, basically, and everything's falling to the floor. So you ain't got that youthful look. Be warned, 40-year-olds out there. When you get to 50, everything falls down. So don't even go there, all right? Scaffolding and bridges are only holding it up, right? But the thing is, yeah, I looked okay. you know, I didn't know what I was worried about. Your brain says... Oh, yeah. No, you need to be, you need to look like X or you need to do this. So totally.
1: But for me, it wasn't even about that. Like I look back at photos now and I go, who is this white, skinny, skeletal person with a rack? Like, who is that? And how was that person alive? Wow. Like I'm saying, white. Like I look like something out of a vampire movie back then. And that was my day to day. But it wasn't driven by my body image. It was driven by my control. And so, you know, a lot of people think eating disorders are just driven by body image. Oh, it, to some extent, it's, yeah. it started there for me. It started there, but that's not what it became. No, for me, it became a control issue. And I remember just before my wedding, so I was very anorexic. So let's backtrack a little bit. When I was living in another state, I would. Cook a meal once a week. And I would drink once, once a week. Maybe a couple of days I would snack on it. Like I loved roast lamb back then. So I would snack on it for a couple of days and that would be it. Oh my god and they would usually be my two days off. And then the rest of the week I'm working around food and I'm, you know, overworking. And so not eating. But here's the the clincher, I was drinking. So I was so self-abusive that my sustenance instead of nutrients and minerals was alcohol. I actually lived for many months on French champagne and coffee.
0: Oh, my God. That was all I did. Isn't there a famous actress in, like, the 50s who used to live on fag champagne and coffee? I don't know. I'm trying to think who it is. Who's the one who was in Paris doing the, like, Humphrey Bogart and what's oh, her Lauren name? Lauren Bacall. I don't know somebody like in that. Ingrid Bergman, yeah. one of
1: them, anyway. Yeah. So you know, for me, it was a control thing. So then, fast forward, I meet a guy. I'm about to get married. I remember going for a fitting for my outfit for my wedding, and each fitting they had to keep pinning it because I was so driven to be so skinny because everything in my life was out of my control except for this. That they turned around and said, and it was, I remember it was a George Gross suit that I wore, like with a long skirt, pencil skirt, and a, a jacket. And they said, We can't take this in anymore. You need to stop. And I was like, No, I don't. Everything's fine. I even oh went to gosh. a weight loss company, and I'm not going to name the company. No, because they should have turned me away, but they didn't. I went to a weight loss company. And they took me on. And so here I was, already anorexic, already looking like death warmed up. And a weight loss companies agreed to help me lose more weight. Like, Oh, my God. This was nuts. So for me, in the height of anorexia and a little bit of binge eating, when I did eat, I would eat in one go. So then I would feel sick because my body couldn't take that amount of food, particularly in one sitting, let alone at any point in time. So, you know, here I am, I get married, even at my wedding, I didn't eat. So we had cocktail reception. I made excuses. I'm busy saying things to people, you know, thank you for your presence. Thank you for coming. What was I doing? I was drinking champagne. Did I eat any of the canapes that went past me? Not I a didn't wine
0: Eat or drink. I at one point moaned at my dad and said, Hey, there's a problem here. I haven't got a drink in my hand. I've been talking to people for ages and I need a drink. But um, but
1: yeah, no. Wow. Well, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So then I, I go on my honeymoon. I'm already thinking things aren't quite right here, but you know, I'm on my honeymoon at a winery tour for a week. Oh my in god. In wine country, here in Australia. And uh So what am I doing? I'm drinking for the whole week and I'm picking at food because I don't know if my now husband has actually seen me eat very much over the whirlwind six months that we were together. Has he actually seen me eat? No. So do I want to drop something down my front and make a mess of myself? Probably not. So I'm picking at little things. And then a week after the honeymoon, go to the doctors and I think I'm still hungover, right? Because I felt nauseous and dizzy and tired. the kind of things that a hangover do to you, especially when you're not eating. And the doctor says, congratulations, you're pregnant. And for oh me my God, that was the thing that stopped me punishing my body with food. And that was now I have a little person I need to deal with. I need to stop drinking. I need to start eating and I need to start fueling my body so I can grow this little individual. So what does that look like to someone that hasn't eaten properly for well over a decade? It looks like weight gain.
0: Well, yeah, and also your body changes when you get pregnant and, like, maybe not in pleasant ways either, right? I mean, I love my little man. He's awesome, but, like, it does affect you, right? Um, boobies were made for breastfeeding, I have to say. But after breastfeeding, they are never the same, right, and all of that stuff. But, like, how did you deal with – because it's obviously, like, it's an eating disorder, right, and it is not about the food, really. It is about the other things, the psychological things that are going on, right? So it's Totally, and I wasn't looking at
1: those. No. So here I am, suddenly eating for two, as they say. Yeah. And I did. I probably ate oh. for 20, but I would do it secretly and I would do it quickly. And I didn't do it for nutrients because I didn't know enough about those then. No. I did it because I need to grow this baby. And I know I can't carry the baby if I'm skin and bone like I was, you know, last month. So now I need to start eating. So you know, I would eat reasonably. I would, you know, buy a Caesar salad pack from the supermarket. Now, you know, on the label of the Caesar salad pack says serves four. Wow. Well, I would make even... it in a bowl and sit and eat the whole thing. Oh my God. Yeah. But did you think, do you think
0: being pregnant
1: was like somebody
0: giving you permission to eat? So you didn't have to control that element of it because you had an excuse to, just eat because you were eating for two. So it's all right. You were eating for two happy days. I don't need to be in control of this because I'm growing a person. That's,
1: that's what I'm doing. Well, that's what totally, I'm controlling. Totally, that was part of it. The other part of it was I still had no relationship with myself. So how am I going to have a relationship with food if I don't even love who I am? How can I love what I'm putting into my body? Wow. So you're driven by I need to feed this baby that's growing, not I need to feed myself so that I can grow this baby. Very different scenarios. So did the pregnancy go okay then? Were you like, okay, pregnancy-wise,
0: all good, had baby?
1: Uh, No, I was as sick as anything from day one, hence why I went to the doctor and they told me I was pregnant, because I was so sick. and. Morning sickness? Hell no! It was morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night. You know, roll over and look at the clock. Oh Up my God! Was this baby you know, a girl? Like the whole was time. Was this baby a girl? No, this baby was a very punishing boy. Oh my God! Shame.
0: See, that blew my so- <laughs> theory out of the uh, out of the ground.
1: Then. <laughs> so you know, here I was feeling dreadful, overeating because I didn't have a relationship with food and nutrients and punishing myself because I still hadn't fixed the problem from when I was anorexic. Oh, my gosh. So this is still an issue. So baby's born. I had gestational diabetes. I was on insulin injections. Yeah, so was I. I I feel your pain. I feel your pain. And I felt a failure.
0: (laughs) I felt a failure because I feel as though I eat fairly healthy now. Okay? Um, but I felt a failure actually having gestational diabetes. I don't know how you felt, but like having to inject and the fact that I was like, oh, so my body can't sustain growing a baby, I'm a failure. I'm a failure because I can't grow this child and you know be healthy for this child basically. And I had stress at work and everything going on everywhere. So, yeah, and gestational diabetes is not great, but it's a way of controlling your food, though. Did did that help with you food? No, oh. so
1: here's the rub. I was seeing a diabetes educator Yeah. that I said pre-pregnancy I was anorexic. The only day I stopped being anorexic was the day I found out I was pregnant. Diabetes educators telling me to eat lots of rice, lots of potato, lots of bread. This was not stuff that I'd ever eaten before. Wow! So I'm trying to eat the way the diabetes educators telling me I should eat, which you know now, twenty something years later, is all topsy turvy. Like I know. in the world of diabetes, you do not eat that stuff. No. You know, low GI. But this is and what all they were telling fluff. me. Yeah. Yep. And I'm injecting insulin and I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where the doctor says we need to induce you. First of all, we think the baby's very big. That's what they told me. But you're very big and if you get any bigger, you're going to be a risk at birth. So three weeks premature, my son is born. He wasn't big at all. You could hold him in your hand. He was Neither like Neither was pounds. mine. Neither was mine. I know, I know. It's bizarre, isn't it? So really the reason they want to induce me is what they've alluded to, that I'm getting bigger. Mm. I'm the risk. Wow. So, you know, instead of saying, hey, dude, how much have you been eating, eating for two or eating for five, because they can't say that, They're just going, we need to induce you because of the baby. Okay, so I have my baby. Now I'm obese, post-baby, right? So as my child starts growing, I end up having another one, and guess what, gestational diabetes. If I thought it was bad the first time, I went from eight units of insulin a day with the first son to 80 with the second son. I can't even remember what I had, but anyway.
0: And <laughs> that's so the lot. listeners
1: understand I'm needle phobic. Oh my God. I could never be a drug addict because I just can't inject myself. I just can't do it. So having to do the insulin injections was terrible. Right? And I'm wonder- I'm thinking, like I had a little pen that I just clicked
0: and it went in and that was it. I didn't really but I'm thinking when you had your kids, that wouldn't have been a little pen, would it?
1: No, it wasn't a little pen. No, it was a syringe
0: wow jesus christ yeah like i mean mom was like oh i mean i didn't like doing it but it wasn't as bad as shoving a syringe
1: in i've had one yeah it was bad enough doing the finger pricks to the point where i would touch something my fingers would just start (laughs) bleeding because they were getting pricked you know several times a day but now i'm injecting 80 units of insulin and i'm sick again but not as sick as i was the first time but now i have a toddler watching everything i'm doing so. I start secret eating. So, have I fixed the problem with the eating disorders? No, it's no. just morphed. It's changed. It's gone from anorexia to binging. It's gone from, you know, me just punishing myself to now I've got to hide from my son, who was, was at my feet in the, the toilet whole time with a chocolate bar. Because <laughs> oh, <so, laughs> I know that was me at times. Uh, Chocolate's never been my downfall. Potato chips have been my downfall. Oh, my gosh. Because I needed the Uh, salt because I was stressed out. Did I know about what the adrenals do? No. I was now addicted to potato because through the pregnancies I'd been told, eat potato, you know, do this. So now I found myself pregnant with a second baby, toddler at my feet, so I would go into the walk-in pantry, close the door, hide in there in the dark and eat a packet of potato chips.
0: Yeah. And we've all done that as parents and maybe especially single parents because I am sorry, having a toddler follow you around everywhere drove me mental. But it's quite a serious thing with you though because, like, you were then secret eating.
1: Secret eating. So it's the next evolution of the same disordered thinking. And the punishment around food, well, and
0: so the secret eating so was that the secret
1: eating was then you
0: weren't eating anything that people could see, and so you were then secretly eating, or were you eating and then binge like like a binge eating
1: secretly wise, in the cupboard? Yeah, more the second. So I was eating, but because I was eating a whole packet of potato chips, then when it came time to eat with other people, I wasn't hungry. So I was picking at things. So, what I was telling myself, my brain was, you're just picking at food. How are you getting so big? It must be something you're doing. Could I put it together that it was a secret eating? No, but I was punishing myself anyway Wow! without the whole picture of information. So, here I am. I give birth to my second son, also premature, but only one week. Limbing boys. Also a small child. Limbing boys. But anyway. I know, right? In a hurry to get here. But anyway, so (laughs) here I am now with a toddler and a baby. And I'm now not obese. I'm verging on super morbidly obese. I'm 144 kilos and only five foot three and a half. Oh my gosh. And I can't bend over. So if I drop something, I have to get the toddler to pick it up because I can't touch the ground. I've got gigantic boobs that have gone up to an H-cut to feed the baby. Hello. Yeah. And I'm like, now what do I do? Oh, yeah. And nothing changes. It stays this way till number one son goes to primary school. Well, I was going to
0: say, has anyone, like, along any of these stages, right, did anyone go, hey, I think you have a problem or, like, you know, you need to sort yourself out or, like, what's going on with your eating? Like, nobody said... You got a problem with eating. I think you might have an eating disorder or anything like that.
1: Oh, look, there were some people along the way. My ex mother in law was also a big lady. Yeah. And so she would go on to OptiSlim and things like that, you know, those shake things. And so I would go on it with her and I would lose a stack of weight and then put it straight back on. And it would bring friends with it. Like, you know, it was just this constant yo yo. But there was no mental. I guess, need for me to make changes, even though the doctor was telling me you're going to be dead soon if you keep going like this. I couldn't hear that. No, no, no. You know, I don't matter. The kids matter. Let's not talk about me. Here we are for them. But it wasn't till my elder son started primary school that we walk up. you know, there's all these little preps and they're all hugging their mummies you know, in the first week and the mummies are all at the gate crying and the kids trottle off and do the things. A couple of days in, my son gets to the gate with me. I'm holding his hand he starts crying. I say, what's the matter? He goes, I wish I could wrap my arms around you and hug you like the other kids do with their oh mummies. Oh, my God, Jesus. So this is the moment that, you know, for the past 15 years have all caught up like, you know, when you see in a movie time racing and then it smacks the person in the head, that was it for me. And it was like, I've never walked into a gym before. I think I need to now. I need to do something because my kid's crying about my weight. And that tends to affect what you do as a parent. Yeah, no, I know. I know, Totally. So for me, I then find the local gym, drive into the car park, Drive back out. I do this about three times. Couldn't even get out of the car.
0: Right? Oh my gosh. I'm
1: so anxious and I have never addressed the issues at this point of why I've punished my body so much. Well, it, and, and why I've had eating disorders.
0: And it would be a big move if you're obese, right? I mean, I haven't been in a gym for like four years now because I'm single mom with my son. I have a gym in my garage, right? I haven't been in that for the last six months, but that's a different story. But I can go in my garage, right? Nobody sees me grunting and groaning in my garage and sweating and doing whatever, right? But you, you're you a size where people potentially would look. And I think they should be high-fiving people like that in the gym and going, well done for coming in, keep on going and giving them encouragement. And But the problem is in gyms, I think everyone is, we're just stares. I don't, they just don't want to talk or um, I, they might be focused on their workout, but they may also be, uh, they might be insecure or have issues themselves. I don't know. But yeah, I find gyms are very quiet, silent places where everyone's looking at everyone totally. else and judging everyone. So
1: totally. And I'm a size 22 Australian wow. size at this point in time on a very short person. Right. So the third or fourth time I can't even remember how many times now that I drive into the car park a trainer walks out and he taps on my window because he's seen me drive in and out you know and he taps on the window and he says come inside let's have a chat so I park the car he takes my keys and we walk inside I can't even fit between the machines in this gym at this point and all those mirrors and everything all around me, I don't want to see myself. Very confronting. You know, I haven't seen my feet for the past four years, so, like, I don't want to see myself. So this trainer starts talking to me and the first thing he said was, have you had an eating disorder? And I went, "Mm, yeah. Is that one of your standard questions? He goes, I'm just interested. Wow. And it was that moment that everything clicked in and I went, this is just the same thing. I am punishing myself because of my lack of self-control. Well, well I
0: wouldn't say lack and of self-control. Lack of control I, I of my would life. say lack yeah. of
1: control. You
0: controlled food because you were out of control in other areas of your life. And I know one of the reasons I controlled food, and it is a control thing, it is not about the fact that you love Food and you want to like just stuff it in your face it's not about that it is about the fact that everything else is out of control i was doing a levels my a levels wasn't going very well i was in a relationship first serious relationship which was going okay but i sort of i don't know i just didn't want to be in there you know i had hormones buzzing around me at 16 some guy called me fat you know all of this stuff all of those things And so all of that was out of control. And I was an achiever at school, right? So I was the one in the top classes. I always did well at school and I did not do, I was not doing well at my
1: A-levels. And so that was the one thing I could do was control my food. So like you. Exactly. But I I didn't only not have control of my life. I didn't have control of me. So when I say my lack of self-control, I had no off switch. I had no idea what full meant no satiety like you know i could eat the whole bag of salad and still want to go and eat something else because there was no off switch and why because earlier there was no on switch when i was working around food smelling it and my brain was saying well you must have eaten because you can smell it so i don't know uh what you know hungry means what not hungry means i have no idea so now i'm at a gym I'm totally self-conscious because, you know, the trainer, the really nice trainer says, come and, you know, we'll see if this treadmill can hold you. And I'm like, why wouldn't it hold me? He goes, well, because, you know, it's only up to 150 kilos weight limit. And I'm like, okay, could I get to the treadmill? No, because I had to get past two other things first. Couldn't fit through them. So this is an issue. So I'm like, well, that's it. I'm just too fat to exercise you know there goes that idea luckily that wasn't the end of that story and the trainer kept up with me and you know we would meet in a park and things like that and still do exercise so as I start seeing the weight come off number one son who was crying can I put my arms around you and hug you one day can hug me and he goes oh that's so much better but you're still a bit fat aren't you So he's just calling it the way he's saying it. He's not meaning to hurt me. Oh, I know, I know. So then I start on my journey of fasting because he says, but you're still a bit fat, aren't you? And he's the the universe to me being my child. And so now I'm like, oh, I can fix that. I'll just stop eating. It's a thing called fasting. It must be okay. So here I am. Going back to the bad old days because I can. Which is anorexia, really. So for the listeners, um, you know, now I'm 50 and, yes, I'm overweight. Join the club. But I'm There's not a heck of a lot I can do about it now. I've yo-yoed my body so much that the internal mechanisms of my body basically trigger every part of every system of my body to say, you are not safe. So do I struggle to drop the weight now? Yeah. Do I give up? Heck no. No. Because the one thing I can control now is the terrain in my body. So it's what is beneath the what people see, beneath the adipose tissue or the fat, if I treat that, eventually my body will feel safe and I'll drop the weight. So for me, it's not at all about the weight anymore. Do I like looking in pictures? Not particularly. I have body image issues after decades and decades of mistreating my body. But, you know, is that what my life is about? No. I can do everything with my sons. They're now in their 20s. You know, we do LARP battle together, medieval LARPing, and we bash each other up with our weapons. And, you know, I can still run after them, probably not as fast as they can run away, but yeah, you know, I can still run and I can still battle, I can still do all the things that I need to do and I garden and I go cycling with the boys. I do all those things. I do it carrying some extra weight but I do it happily and that is the key. And so, like, how, how have you sorted
0: your brain out regarding that side of things though? How have you... How have you got to where you are today?
1: I've had to learn who I was. That was the biggest thing. So through all this journey, you know, rewind back to six, being told all the things I'm being told. Then, you know, 11, 12, being told don't eat till everyone else is eaten and, oh, you're a bit fat and, you know, all this kind of thing. And then my anorexia and then my binging and my secret eating, all of that, what was missing was me. And that was probably the biggest life lesson that do not judge anyone by what they're eating, what they're weighing, what they're doing, anything like that. Just accept them for who yeah. they are. Yeah, I, I have And to if you agree. have someone in your family that has an eating disorder, be of service to them. Go up to them and say, listen, I'm here for you. What do you need? Don't try and make them eat. Don't try and talk them out of their anorexia. Don't try any of that, right, but ask them, what do you need? Who are you? What do you stand for? How can I support you? Because that could well be what they're missing.
0: Yeah, and it's also around, um, it's also around, like, people who are like obese right as such um in the fact that you know it's about how do i help you how do i help you lose the weight how do i help how how am i going to be of service to you because you can't force them to not eat the foods that they're eating or anything like that it is a psychological thing and um they do did you go and get counseling what actually Happened I, yeah, and I did a lot I've of work. I've been to loads of counselling. I've been to so many counselling sessions, it's untrue. I went to counselling <laughs> with me mum, God love her, and, um, yeah, I still, you know, still have to go, go occasionally for my sanity.
1: Yeah, so I did a lot of work on my trauma. So for me that was what it was, my childhood trauma, you know, being of use to other people for their own ends, that's where it started for me. Because I wasn't a person, you know, I was the kid that got switched to access visits and then told don't eat your porridge like that because she eats it like that and oh, then told wow. don't do that because he does that. So there was no me. So I've done a lot of work on that and I can talk about it today on the podcast because it doesn't affect me anymore. You know, it is what it is and it's not my problem. It's someone else's problem. It doesn't need to be mine. Do you see,
0: because I've often said, and I remember in my 20s having a conversation with my mum, maybe it was in my 30s, where I said, I don't think I'll ever get over the eating disorder because I think food will always be, it, it won't always be in the forefront, but it will be integral to who i am as such food is i mean it's it's uh, and i think i've mentioned this before where i go it's not like being an alcoholic or being a heroin addict or anything like that right at the end of the day like you're addicted to food but you can't give the blooming stuff up because otherwise you die right and it's almost like alcohol and heroin you have to give up otherwise you die right so it's like the other way around right and all of it is equally as hard and all of it has, you know, individuals have different reasons why they do the things that they do. And, and potentially a lot of it is to do with trauma. Um, and it's not actually to do with that substance that they use to, they use as their tool of abuse, um, like shopping and like all of those various things. sex, sex addiction. Wow. Okay. But yeah, but like those things, right. That's not actually the issue, it's the underlying issues that need to be sorted out. And I always feel as though it's a lifelong, not a lifelong battle, but it's, it's, there's all, I'm always going to have to watch myself on the journey that I, like what my internal conversation that I'm having with myself is. I know that's a bit of a
1: long way around to going. Is that what you think? (laughs) So, look, for me, when I'm eating, I do eat for pleasure, but I go, wow, that was really satisfying. What a great meal. For me, knowing what a great meal is is thinking I wish I could eat another one but I can't because I'm so full. So it's checking myself, am I full? Have I had enough? It's also saying to myself, and I say out loud at our dinner table, Look at the great nutrients we have here lots of vitamins, lots of minerals. This is for this, this is for that. I talk to my kids about what is in our food and what it's doing for us. It's no longer a weapon, it's a tool for health. I agree with you.
0: But that exact, and I think exactly what you've said, it's like I sit there and I go, um, I, you know, I'm eating certain things. It's quite funny because I'm sitting here drinking vegan bone broth, which is hilarious. But I, I like, um, because I'm 95% of the time vegan. I I do eat meat, but only very, very occasionally. Um yeah so i'm hungry and i'm having <laughs> i'm having an interview with me uh, with you so you know i'm not putting that out there but i thought right well i'll have some bone broth stuff vegan <laughs> bone which is made with seaweed and things like that which is all healthy stuff hopefully to get my blooming thyroid in interactive and doing its stuff because i'm old and everything's falling apart but um Yeah, and so I'm doing stuff for health reasons, not so much. So I'm eating things because it's healthy for me, not because I'm like I need to control
1: stuff. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So now I work out because I like working out. I'm not doing it for my weight loss, right? I eat what I eat because that's what I want to feed my family and I want my boys to have great nutrients Not because I'm withholding food. I don't say to them, you can't eat a takeaway because that's full of, you know, trans fats and all this. I'm like, "Do you know what, you can eat a takeaway but on a Friday. Uh,
0: Exactly what we do. And that's all we
1: need to do. Yeah. Okay. And the rest of the week we need to fill ourselves with nutrients. Yeah. But also things like, like I discovered
0: I don't really like McDonald's. I just don't like mcdonald's at all so my son does and i go well i'm not gonna stop him from having it occasionally right so he does go and have it but i don't have mcdonald's i'll have something else because i just don't like the flavor and the taste that it leaves and how it makes me feel at at the end of that whereas normally i've just gone great this is food i can't normally have because it's in that bad food list so i'd go and have it and i'm like and i'm a bit like that with pizza my son loves pete i think he's a teenage mutant ninja turtle or something because (laughs) like he if there's any choice he has it's pizza or dumplings or mcdonald's so but yeah no shame no that's well you're right you're right um has has your have you seen your eating disorder affect your children
1: yes so number one son the one that wanted to hug me yeah Right. When I was super morbidly obese, he developed anorexia. Wow. Yeah. And here he was trying to be as skinny as a beanpole. And I had to tackle this. I'm like, well, I haven't even fixed my own problems. How do I fix his? So, you know, back then it was the days of the Olsen twins. They were like all in the media for their anorexia. And so I said, have a look at these girls. Do you think they're pretty? He said, no. So why not? He goes, well, because they look like a skeleton with skin on. I'm like, right, guess what? You're doing the same thing. You're not there yet, but you're doing the same thing. Mummy knows, let me tell you about it. So for me it was being honest with them. Yeah. You know, a number two son, he's blessed, he can eat anything and doesn't put any weight on. It's like my brother, don't go there but he's the only one in our whole family that's never had a weight issue. So but you know, I had to I had to address this with my boys and I had to be honest and I had to say here's the journey I've been on. And I don't want you to have to do that. And here's why I was on this journey. And so all I can tell you my sons, my loves is you need to find out who you are what you stand for, what makes you tick, your values, your beliefs, and I am here to support you. Wow. And having that conversation was very freeing for both of them. And they were like, great, and so now we can sit down, we can enjoy a meal, we're going out later this week for our first Christmas party of the season. Wow, God, it's October. You know what? We, I know, we're getting it over. Like the supermarkets. <laughs> But, you know, we can go and we can enjoy ourselves and that's a night out and we don't have to punish ourselves and we don't have to restrict ourselves because it's part of life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I'm just very conscious of not restricting my son but educating him into eating healthy and, I like, I'm quite blessed, like, well, apart from the fact that he's gone off broccoli and cooked carrots at the moment, so I'm like, what the, you used to like scoff them down when you were a toddler, but like he would happily eat um, a piece of meat and veggies and he has no qualms about eating the other stuff. Um, So yeah, veggies have never been too much of an issue, but now he's seven on Saturday and um, now he's sort of taken uh, maybe because mummy's maybe overcooked the carrots once and now he doesn't like them. I don't bloody know. But, um, yeah, you know how it goes and
1: like broccoli I have one that won't eat cooked carrots but will eat raw carrots. My dad's like that and I go. And then I have one that won't eat corn at all. Oh, I love corn. But has just started eating mushrooms and onions. Wow. So, you know what, they go through these things and that's Okay. But when I'm in the kitchen cooking, I'm telling them about the nutrients and I'm telling them how good this is for your body so that they have that relationship with food that I didn't have. But this is a safe thing. You can feel safe around food. You don't have to restrict it and you don't have to bombard yourself with it. You can just be safe and thank it for what it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Look, thank you for being so open and honest with us regarding your journey with food and how how it's affected you um and your kids. Um it what about if anyone wants to get in touch with you? If people want to get in touch with you, Magic, and um, you know, maybe they're going through something and they wanna be able to reach out and just go, hey, that's me, or oh, I think my kids have got an issue or whatever. How do they connect with you?
1: Yeah, well, I do functional health. So I treat root cause of the problems, which is why I can say, you know, what triggered my eating disorders. So people can find me at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. Now that's holistic with a W in front of it, because we treat the body as a whole. It's not about Food and it's not about weight and it's not about just the immune system. It's about the whole body and the whole mind. So holisticnaturalhealth.com.au, you can book our root cause analysis, which is a complimentary call and an intake that we do with people, and we can look at what's behind things. We do specialise in trauma, particularly childhood trauma. Wow. So we can do a lot of work with people around what might be triggering some of these thoughts?
0: And and did everything that was going on with you is that why you now into the uh, you know doing the dealing with the holistic natural health sort of side the whole body side of things?
1: Is is that how you came to do all of this? Yeah, totally. Because I was on a weight loss, you know, journey early. And that wasn't the problem; that was the symptom. No, exactly. So now I I treat my problem, and I help people address their root cause. So no. definitely, now our careers are born out of our own experiences. And if I can help someone that may be having a poor relationship with their food or with themselves or whatever then you know so be it i'd love to do that
0: yeah and i i agree with you that's why i do this because like i became a single parent and went what the flipping heck have i got myself involved in and that's why i started the podcast because i was like well there must be other people going how how on earth (laughs) do i do this on my own um, and all of the other different issues, anorexia, bul- bulimia, blooming, like self-harming, oh, various different other, bullying, various different other subjects that I've covered. Um, so, yeah, no, um, yeah, I know. It's bizarre how and look, our life shoves us down these journeys.
1: Totally. And shout out to the single parents out there because you are doing a tough job. Yeah. You're doing two people's roles. So be a little bit kinder to yourself be a little bit more gentle with yourself I've been a single parent for 10 years now and before that you know I was parenting with someone that wasn't even checked into the relationship let alone our kids so you know I get it you just sometimes have to pull back and go wow today was a day and I did it and I made it to the end of the day yeah and really pat yourself all on week. the back because you know always pat yourself on the back because you are doing more than one person's role. Yeah. Do not let that get so out of control and so overwhelming that you punish yourself with food. Uh, look, I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree
0: with you. And um, and it is too, all too easy to do that with food, with alcohol, where you go, oh, God, I've had a hell of a day. I'll just have a, I'll grab a glass of wine and then two, three, four later. And it's so easy and it doesn't help you at all. I've actually given up alcohol. So, and I know probably the people who are listening to this podcast who know me in the UK and some of my friends here in Australia who know me will just go, sorry, what? Did we hear that right? But but I have because it just isn't serving me. So I just went, oh, no, I've given it up. At least give myself a break. Maybe not until, maybe Christmas, I'll um, have another go. But yeah. So look, one final question for you. And I'm interested to see what you would come up with with this one. What book would you suggest and recommend to my listeners, and why?
1: Oh,
0: book! What book magic? What book out there? Okay, you, has, has impacted your life to the extent that you need to recommend it to us.
1: There are so many. I'm actually going to say two books oh my god my okay. list keeps getting so much bigger <laughs> jesus so if you have boys you must read steve biddup's raising oh, boys I've, I've got that one i've read it yeah and it is i think he's awesome. got a raising girls as well but that was a game changer for me with yeah, my little legs when they were
0: little me too
1: and i'm trying to get him on forward. here I'm trying to get him on here <laughs> Stephen. if you're listening Sure, you won't. I'll listen to
0: that one. (laughs) Yeah. Stephen, if you're listening, I I would love to get you on here. Single parents, we need as much help as everyone else, like there raising boys. Totally.
1: And my other book kind of that I've just come to last year was The Four Agreements. Wow. And then the second edition, the fifth agreement. So you know that's about being true to yourself and being really present and being kind and courteous with your words, even to yourself. So that's a must read. Wow. Okay. All
0: right. Okay. That's I haven't heard of that one. So that's good. Shove that one. At least I've read the other one. That means I've only got one more to read. I'm making this <laughs> massive, great, big, long list when I'm asking everyone. Um, so after this, so I change the question up every year. So this is like year two of the podcast. And so I've changed the question to sort of recommend a book. And my list just got huge, right? And I'm going, <laughs> I've got so many books to read at home. Anyway. And I've just got loads now, but they're all great. They're brilliant. So um, yeah, great, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much today, Magic. Um, I know you're busy. Uh, I know you've got, um, you know, you do a day job just like I do a day job. Um, But look, thank you for like, just being open and honest with us about your
1: journey and and, you know, what's impacted you. It's been full on. It has, but you know, important to say, and thanks so much for having me. No, thank you thanks for listening
0: i hope you have a wonderful week and i hope to see you back here again soon be kind to yourself and remember no one is perfect we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best i'm claire martin and you've been listening to the strong single and human podcast
1: Hello, I'm Con And I'm Steve. And, and we're Eddie Nucky You're listening to Radio Caram If you're, if you're Carole, the Way, just, just, just call Mitchell Tall Or in Patterson Lakes Just call Mitchell Tall Anywhere Bayside Just call Mitchell Tall, Tall. Buy, Buy a, a seven house, house.
0: Just call Mitchell Tall, Mitchell Tall, Tall, Tall. Real estate, ooh yeah, real little, little real estate.
1: We want more.